Hey everyone, husband here. And I'm wife. If you've been listening to us, then you know we're all about reading the Bible and reacting to it on our first read-through. Cuss words, crying, laughing, and more. We're passionate about creating a podcast that takes the sanctity out of the sacred text and simply stating it as we see it. But we can't do it without your help. We're asking for your support to help us keep this podcast going. There are two ways you can donate. Text SACDIS, that's S-A-C-D-I-S, to 53. 555 if you're in the U.S. with a one-time donation. Any amount helps. Or if you'd rather start a sustaining membership, sign up on our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash sacrilegious discourse. Membership levels start as low as $2 a month. We are amazed and grateful for our fans that support us now, and you can become one too. With your support, we can keep sacrilegious discourse alive and well for years to come. So please donate today. Text SACDIS to 53555 if you're in the U.S. Or sign up for our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash sacrilegious discourse. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Sacrilegious Discourse. I'm husband. And I'm wife. Together, we're reading the Bible for the very first time. We grew up without religion and wanted to know what all the fuss was about. Well, what have we learned so far? That God is a dick, and apparently some people believe in talking donkeys? We're not trying to pass ourselves off as experts. Nope, we're just reading the Bible for the first time and giving our first take reaction. If you'd like to join us in this venture, you might consider starting at episode one. Otherwise, jump in wherever you like. Alright, let's go read the Bible. Yeah, let's get to it. Husband! Wife! Do you know what we are doing today? I do, and I think you also know what we're doing today. today. That is late. That is late. Today we are doing Sacrilegious Book Club, yeah. which was supposed to come out yesterday. This, well, no, technically it was this morning. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, that's what I meant to what say. What time is it? Maybe it was yesterday by now. No, no almost. We still got an hour. Yeah. So if I get this out quick, we'll be in good shape. Yeah, sorry, guys. Yeah, so uh, what uh, what chapters are we going over today? Um, Today we... Or uh, pages, I mean. Sorry. We are reading Isaac Asimov's great book, Asimov's Guide to the Bible, 
and we are in the book of numbers uh, today we are covering pages 165 to 174 okay let's go ahead and get into this then okie dokie all right okay so remember how the beginning words of each book are what the hebrews originally called the that book that they were reading yeah like i tell you this every time we start a new book you, the, the, yeah so right oh yes so like there was different like the one was uh the forest of something or other instead of the uh, exodus or something like that or i don't remember something what it was. like that yeah something weird i don't know yeah so um numbers is the name the name was in the wilderness that's what i was thinking of actually mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. okay right from the first verse yeah right Right. Okay. But the translators were impressed by the fact that the book contains two censuses. Yeah. So that's why it's called Numbers. Right. And this is the first book with a title translated into English. The others were derived from Latin via the Greek. I see. You know, I wasn't real impressed with the fact that there were two censuses because the reason they had to do the second census ultimately was that so many fucking people died that they couldn't keep track of all the dead people. Right. Just saying. Like, right. that was a lot of dead people. Well, okay. So, anyway. <laughs> that Sorry. Was, just, I'm just saying. That's that's all. Less than impressive. Got yeah, it. Right. That was um, how the Book of Numbers started okay. um, from Asimov. That was page 165. Yeah. It was just a little blurb. And then also on 165 is the sum of the congregation. There's some interesting stuff here because he just had two giant charts mm -hmm. of the censuses that showed each of the tribes how they changed from the first census to the next. Oh. Just side by side. Well, that's that was cool. really cool. Yeah. And the figures represented in the book of numbers are likely exaggerated. As, no, not exaggerated than the Bible. As it is very unlikely that some two million people were wandering around the Sinai Peninsula, yeah. which is what it would have been if one counts the women, children, slaves, etc. Right. No, I. So, it, I mean, I. Yeah. I don't believe it though. Exaggeration in the Bible. There's no fucking way. Right. No fucking way. <laughs> yeah, definitely exaggerations. <laughs> so the first census. Here's some notes from that. The greatest tribe was Judah with seventy-four thousand six hundred. Okay. And. Right after that was the Joseph tribes, which were, again, Ephraim plus Manasseh. Right. With 72,700. So the same shit we're still dealing with for today as far as, like, mm -hmm. you know, who's the big shots. And the smallest one was... Dan? The tribe of mm -hmm. Benjamin. Damn it. With 35,400. Okay. Yeah, and then they got even smaller when they all got killed again. Yes. So the second census, the greatest was still Judah... And they um, actually increased from 74,600 to 76,500. Wow. Yeah. and They are fruitfuling and multiplying. Yes. And the Joseph tribes, Ephraim plus Manasseh, yeah. they seriously increased. They went from 72,700 to 85,200. Damn. Yeah. And um, now the least one... The smallest one was not Benjamin anymore, but Simon with ah. only 22,200. They don't really talk about Simon much. Mm -mm. They're like, eh, yeah, whatever. 
So the greatest amount of decreases were the tribe. There's three of them. The tribe of Reuben went from 46,500 to 43,730. Okay. Okay. Then the tribe of Gad went from 45,650 to 40,000. Mm-hmm. And then Naphtali went from 53,400 to 45,400. Damn. Yeah. These guys must have been the ones on the front line. But the but largest change. The largest. Was the tribe of Simon, okay. which went from, this is, brace yourself, hold I'm on bracing, to your butt. I'm bracing. This went from 59,300 to that 22,200. Oh, damn. Yeah. That's they got fucking amazing. nearly wiped out. Yeah. yeah. Shit. They were. Mm. They are not having fun. They were not having fun. Yeah. So I thought those were interesting notes. Yeah. No, definitely. So um, he didn't say a lot about it. He just had that chart, and then those were all my notes from it. Gotcha. I was like, damn. <laughs> okay. The next section is the Ethiopian woman on page one sixty-seven. Okay. Okay. And that refers to Zipporah, who was married to Moses. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And she may have been the Cushite woman mentioned in Numbers um, chapter 12, verse 1. Okay. Wherein his siblings Miriam and Aaron spoke against him for the Ethiopian woman, a Midianite and a foreigner that he had married. I, for some reason, was thinking she was a Moabite, but maybe that was something else. I think that was something else. Okay. But Zipporah was um, definitely the Ethiopian woman. Okay. All right. So... That's why they were like, oh, not cool, Moses. What are you doing, weirdo? Marrying somebody outside the tribe. Right, right. Gross. Racism is awesome. (laughs) So then we move on to the subject of Caleb on page 168. Okay. Okay. Yep. Moses had each one of the 12 tribes select a spy to send ahead, two of which were Joshua from the tribe of Ephraim, and Caleb from the tribe of Judah. Okay. Okay. Yep. And he says, where Joshua was a hero of legends originating with the northern tribes, Caleb was the analogous hero of the southern ones. Okay. Which I didn't realize at the time. I did not either. But that's interesting, right? Yeah. Like one's from Judah and one's from um, the Israelite tribes. Right, right. Yeah. Since Judah took a Canaanite wife, it is indicated that the tribe of Judah contained various non-Israelite elements of which Caleb was one. Gotcha. And then he goes on further to say, this is a direct quote, it is even possible that in the early tribal period, Judah was not felt to be part of Israel. For in certain key portions of the book, Judah is conspicuously ignored. Even in Davidic times, when Judah was not only an integral part of Israel, but supplied it with a ruling dynasty, uh-huh. there was a continuing lack of sympathy between it and the northern tribes. This was exacerbated into downright enmity and ended finally in civil war and schism. Huh. So even back then, before they even went into Canaan, right, right. they were already split. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I just didn't realize that. Yeah. Okay, the next section is Zin on page 169. Is in the wilderness of? Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. Or like a nice fine wine, Zin. Gotcha. Yeah. 
So they, oh, um, this is Numbers chapter 13, verse 21. So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rehob. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, this was a way of saying that they searched the land um, bottom to side or top to bottom and side to side. Got it. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Um, they used a lot of hyperbole as with referring to the inhabitants of the large, well-fortified, formidable city of Hebron as giants. Okay. Okay. Yep. So that's all that was. By saying that they searched from here to there. Yeah. It was just saying they searched far and wide. Got okay? it. Got it. Yeah. So then moving on to, um, let's see, uh, Numbers chapter 13, verse 22 and they came unto Hebron, where the children of Anak were. Now, Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Okay, that was parentheses voice. Sure, there. yeah. Okay. So, Hebrew Zoan. Um, Zoan is a Hebrew word which comes or is translated into the Greek Tanis, which was the capital of the Egyptian Hyksos kingdom. Okay. okay? And we've said that before. Um, what he says, what Asimov says is the ancientness of Egyptian civilization was the proud boast of Egypt and was acknowledged with awe by its neighbors. There was no better way of testifying to the extreme age of a city than by claiming it to be older than an Egyptian city, as in the case of Hebron. So when they said they came into Hebron where the children of Anak were and Hebron was built seven years before this old, huge, well-known, well-established, ancient Egyptian city, Zoan. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's what that meant. All right. Okay. Yep. So moving on then to the next verse, um, 23, and they came into the brook of Eshkol and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes and they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. So th these are the spies bringing shit back. Okay. Remember? Yeah. Okay. And to this, Asimov says, while Canaan would not seem an absolute garden spot to someone from California or the Nile, right. it would certainly seem so to tribes invading from the desert. Well-watered oases such as that in which Hebron was situated would seem particularly fertile and would justify the well-known description of Canaan used in several places in the early books of the Bible. I wondered because, I mean, it's a very arid area. And I was right. like, why are they keep describing this as like forests Land of and milk like, and honey? Yeah, right. It it's just, just seemed, comparatively speaking. It just seemed all. overly ambitious on yeah. the descriptions. That's yeah. all. So. It, it was poetic license of... Um, comparatively speaking, you right. know what I mean? Well, I, I was giving the possibility maybe climates were different back then right. than they are now, you know, like, I, who knows? You know? It was just, it was an oasis and um, grew a little bit of stuff. Right. That's all. Right, right. And they were like, holy shit! You can grow things here. Yeah. It's amazing. That's, that's all it was. Got it. Okay, so the next section is Kadesh on page 170. Okay. Okay. The report of the spies was brought back to the place where the Israelites had established a semi-permanent station, which was Kadesh. Okay. That's where they were sitting. And the word Kadesh means holy. We don't know anything about that other than that that's where they were stationed for several years. Got it. Sitting and debate whether they were going to go into Canaan or not, the right. land of milk and honey. Right. Right? Yep. Okay. And so of this, Asimov says... Despite the fertility of the Hebron area, the spies returned with an utterly pessimistic majority report. Well, yeah, because there's those giants and shit, yeah. you know? 
Only Joshua and Caleb presented a minority report in favor of an immediate assault, and they were nearly stoned as a result. They were. Yeah. They were indeed. So Moses held the disheartened Israelites there for 38 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll show you assholes. I don't know what we should do. Yeah, we're just going to walk in circles. Well, here's the thing. Like, um, they literally, like, did you see that? We had a friend sent us a picture of a game. Yeah. And there's the game's literally like a circle. It's yeah. like they just walk in circles, walk in but circles. But here's the thing, because um, I'm about to get into that a little bit. Um, he kind of glosses over it and says it real quick, Asimov does. Yeah. But here's what actually happened. They wanted to go in to Hebron, but couldn't because it was so well fortified. Right. So then they decided to go um, southeast to go around it to the side. Got it. Okay. Um, or no, I'm sorry. They went northeast to go around it to the side to attack from that side. Okay. But they had to go through Edom. Got it. In order to do that. Right. So Moses asked, can we please pass through here? And Edom was, go fuck yourself. Right, right. And so then they had to go, they were going northeast, and then they had to go south to go around through Edom. But no matter so, what you tell me, it's still just a six-day walk from Sure, if you Egypt. took a straight line... But right. they couldn't because they right, had to go still, through all like, these even other... Even if it's... Even if... I'm, I'm just saying. Like, six days, yeah, okay, let's turn it into, like, two or three years, right? Sure. But, shit. It was just a six-day fucking walk, you know? It was a six-day walk that they turned into camping at various places and going around large encampments of people who they were at war with. And probably just warring on battle lines for a while at, mm-hmm. for years at a time. Yeah. Even. It wasn't actually that God cursed them to walk the right. 40 years. No, I know. They honestly didn't have a great idea where the fuck they were going. They, is the truth like, of the matter. No idea where they were going. And they were wandering around and they wanted to go in here where it was good, but it was too well fortified and they couldn't get the, there. The occupied sign was up. It was just Look, kids, Big Ben, we just, I can't get left. Right. You know, that thing. Okay, so the next section is Korah, Dathan, and Abiram on page 171. And this is what Asimov says. Okay. The stay at Kadesh was bound to be a difficult one for Moses. Year after year of inactivity with Canaan at hand, but inaccessible, seemed to make a mockery of the Exodus and to cast doubt upon Moses' capacity as a leader. Apparently, this chapter combines into one account what were actually two separate rebellions against Moses, one by Korah and one by the Reubenites. Oh, okay. Okay? Yeah. So, um, the first one was a familial and religious schism. I don't know if you recall Korah's rebellion. Yes. But he was Moses's and Aaron's cousin. Yeah, and that they got he got swallowed up he by the fucking ground up. and yep. like... Like, it was a multitude of things that happened to him, actually. Yeah. All yeah. at once. So, um, he was their cousin, and what happened was um, he, his dad was the younger brother of Moses and Aaron's dad. So, um, he felt unjustly discriminated against because the lion's share of the priestly duties fell to Aaron. Right. And so, he's like, you know... Why can't I have some shit? Yeah, he's feeling left out. Yeah. Yep. And so um, the second one was a political schism. While Reuben was the oldest son of Israel, at some point early in tribal history, he must have lost leadership and his tribe must have witnessed with dismay 
the shift in the religious leadership to the tribe of Levi and the military leadership to the tribe of Ephraim. Got it. And then so he's they're like, like they're never shit shafted again. basically. They're yeah. like, fuck. Yeah. So that was the second one. And I mean, Reuben was the guy also who like humped his dad's wife or concubine or right, whatever. Right. So there was that whole thing. And, and that probably was part of the same why Reuben and his tribe kind of okay. like diminish into obscurity eventually. Right, right. They never have power again. Okay. All right. Okay. Yep. And my little note to myself was, oh, wells. Yeah. Oh, wells. <laughs> okay. So the next section is the pit page 173. Okay. The punishment of the rebellious Reubenites was being swallowed alive by the earth into a fucking pit. Yeah. Right? I don't remember them saying a pit, but I mean, yeah, that was that was crazy. It depends on what book you're reading, like which um, translation. Not that it really matters. The fucking earth swallowed them. Right. Like, right. Yeah, there you go. Well, in some translations, it's a pit. Um, originally, it was referred to as Sheol, S-H-E-O-L. Okay. And... Asimov says Sheol was visualized by the early Israelites as an underground world to which the souls of the dead departed. Hmm. And Sheol was a dim place with an absence of joy. So there wasn't like torture. There wasn't like this whole moral. Hellfire and brimstone. Yeah. Well, it wasn't like good versus evil and hell like kind of landscape. It was just a place. Because they made that shit up in the New Testament. Exactly. (laughs) <laughs> so the Greeks had such a word, such a world that was ruled by Hades. They had yeah. an underground where the souls go, sure, right? Sure. And in the early Nordic myths, there was a rule, a world similarly ruled by the goddess Heel, or you've heard of Helios, yeah, Heel or yep. Hell, H E L, right? One L, right? Sheol, so it's interesting that, like, basically, this is like a slow progression to Hell mm-hmm. that does incorporate old mythologies. But yes, twists itself by the time it gets to the New Testament. Yes, Sheol continues Asimov was therefore replaced by the word hell, H E L L, sure, in some places in the Bible, right? Right, and then in New Testament times, becomes a whole other becomes fucking a whole other animal, yeah. Right. Okay, so the next section is um, the last one because this is just a short set of chapters here, okay? okay? Yep, Mount Hor on page 173. Okay. So this is kind of like we're towards the end of the Exodus here, okay? All right. Um, Moses' sister dies at Kadesh, right? And sure. That's sad, and everybody mourns her because she was... She couldn't speak the last part of her life, so... Right, I mean, but they loved her. Yeah, they, no, they loved did. her. They did. Okay, Moses led the Israelites around Hebron and requested permission to pass through Edom peacefully, but was refused, so right. they went around Edom too. Right. Okay, Aaron died and was buried on Mount Hor, and based on the dates and ages that were given, here are some things we can surmise. Okay. Okay, and with these notes, that'll be the end of this section. Gotcha. Okay? Yeah. Aaron was born in 1294 BC. Okay. Or BCE. Gotcha. Moses was born three years later in 1291 BCE. That's that's interesting to me because, like, as the timelines progress through the Bible after we get past. Moses, right? Mm-hmm. It feels like we have a lot of 40-year periods and a lot of, like, you know, long periods of kings and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it almost feels like we'd be to Jesus already if we were 
assuming that, but maybe I'm not doing my math right. You're not doing your math right. Okay, all right. Because this is Exodus. This is way before we hit. Right, Jesus. but we're only that's only 1,200 years before Jesus is going to be born. So like, right. I'm just like, if you take 40 years here and 40 years there, that's 100, and then maybe you do that, you know, 12 more times, and you've got right, you know, Jesus times. I see what you're saying, but. A lot of the kings didn't rule for 40 years. Some I'd, of them only re- no, ruled I mean, for a couple years. Sure. No, I get it. I One get it. dude only and ruled I'd, for a month. I'd have to sit down and add them all up. But I yeah. mean, like, it, it just feels like we've done a lot of time since Moses. That's all. Right. So. No, I see what you're saying. It's just that um, this is, like, when you say 1294, that's practically 1300. Yeah. Right? Sure. So we've got 1300 years before Christ is born. Right. So, um we're going to be talking about 300 years just of of this whole portion. Sure. You know, sure. before we even get to all those kings and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, okay, those guys were born in 1294 and 1291. And then the Exodus took place in 1211. Okay. And then Aaron died in 1171. Okay. And then Moses died at the same time, that same year. And the Israelites entered Canaan that same year. Right. So those things all happened back to back. Got it. Got it. In 1171 BCE. Okay. And that's just based on when they say, like, um, so-and-so was born, and then 30 years later, this happened. Or 30 years after this happened, so-and-so was born. Right. You know, different ways that they phrased it. Those, that's how we guess those timelines. Those timelines. Yeah. Yeah. Ish. Exactly. But it's kind of cool that we even have an idea of when this is supposed to have taken place. Yeah, no, definitely. So that's the end of that section. And uh, the next set of chapters that we will be covering, or the next set of pages, (laughs) shut up, that we'll be covering are uh, from pages 174 to 184. And the um, topics will be the Serpent of Brass, Sihon, Chamosh, Heshbon, Bashan, and Balaam. All right. So, Sounds yeah. like a good time next week. Moving right along. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. So that was our uh, book club for today. That was Sacrilegious Book Club. And uh, we'll see you guys back tomorrow for our newest episode of Second Kings, which is Second Kings chapter it, something or other. Is it 16 or 16. is it 21? Yeah, I think we're on 16. 16? That sounds right. Okay. We'll it's go either, with it. We're going to go with that. 16, yeah. It's either 16 or 21, 16 you sounds guys. sounds good to us. Sure. So, all right. We'll see you guys then. Bye. Hey, wife. I guess that's the end. But, husband, that's just sad. It doesn't have to be. We are on lots of social media platforms like Twitter. Our handle there is sacrilegious underscore D. For D's nuts. Oh, my God. Stop doing that. Anyway, we're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. There's a link to all of our social media sites at our website. Ooh, we have a website? Yeah, it's sacrilegiousdiscourse.com, where you can also find a link to our merch shop. We have a merch shop? Yep. We have podcast-themed clothing, mugs, notebooks, and more, as well as an atheist and science-themed products. Wow, our fans should really go check that out right now. Definitely. They can get in touch with us by sending an email to sacrilegiousdiscourse at gmail.com. But before they do that, we could really use some help. Oh, yeah? With what? Well, it's not free running the podcast, and we need some financial support in order to get better equipment, which will free up time so we can concentrate on our podcast and our fans. Okay, so what should they do? Head over to patreon.com forward slash sacrilegiousdiscourse and sign up as a contributor on our podcast. 
Supporters there receive additional bi-weekly episodes that we record just for our Patreon members for as little as $2 a month. Also, we'd really appreciate it if you would like and subscribe on whatever platform you're using. And Apple Podcast Reviews help us out tremendously. Like and subscribe. Leave an Apple review. Join us on Twitter. Support us on Patreon. That's a lot of instructions. Don't forget to say thanks. Thanks. Okay, bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.